Here it is, Father's Day. We're in the book of Colossians. We've been walking through this since January for the last five months. We're getting close to the end. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've been growing as I've been uh, studying this, and especially again this week. Uh, the topic is children. The topic is parents. The topic is fathers. And I love how the Holy Spirit lined up today that this scripture, as we walk sequentially through this book, that it landed on Father's Day. And so we praise him for that. And so if you have a Bible in your hands, you can turn to the book of Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be in verses 20 to 20. One. So up to this point in, in Colossians, we have been discovering the gospel, discovering about Jesus Christ who is preeminent, meaning he is first, he is supreme. That's the whole theme of this book. That's why we have a banner that in everything, in everything, Jesus would be preeminent, that he would be first in our minds, that he would be first in our hearts, that he would be first in our church. And as we've been studying in the last few weeks, first in our families, first in our marriages, and today we're going to see first in parenting and, and childhood as well. And so God is faithful through all of this, and he's been giving us grace. And we learn about heart transformation that is available to us through the revealed word of God, through what Christ has done on the cross. So up to this point in chapter 3, verses 12 to 17, we've already been witnessing what it means to walk this new life, to walk in Christ, putting off our sinful ways and putting on Jesus Christ. New hearts given to us. New hearts full of love and forgiveness. New hearts that are ruled and, and at peace because of the word of God and the spirit that indwells us. We treasure that. We've been learning that uh, as we engage our new lives, putting on Christ in the church, the church will not be fractured. It will be brought to unity and harmony and peace. And then we camped out in verse 18. Everybody's favorite verse. Wives, submit to your husbands. Nothing controversial about that today, is there? And so we, we studied that and, and we talked about God's divine roles in marriages. God's divine role for women in marriages and wives and that this submission is a voluntary, joyful, willing submission, which proclaims the truth about Christ to the world. And then last week, we turned the, the mirror of God's word onto our, our men, our husbands here, and future husbands as well. We turned the mirror on ourselves, learning about our own divine role and how we are prone, we are prone to sinfully disobey. And diminish the gospel by being what? By being harsh with our wives. And we were called to love our wives. Sacrificial love for our wives. Laying down ourselves for our wives. And we learned that uh, the gospel restores husbandly love. And destroys husbandly harshness. Producing a resurrected marriage which then honors the Lord and heralds the truth of the gospel to the watching world and to our children. And we get to focus on them again today as well. So as we look at these verses, verses 20 to 21, it's going to focus on the relationship between children and parents and fathers and children. And so with that, I want to welcome our Harvest Kids here with us this morning. A lot of times you guys are downstairs uh, doing your own study with your teachers, but we welcome you here with us. And, uh, and so, Harvest Kids, if, if you were here with us, would you just stand up? Would you guys mind standing up? All right, I got a couple questions for you this morning. So show me with your arms, even this is, this is not just for Harvest Kids, this is for youth as well. So our youth, please stand up. You guys are not getting away with this, all right? All right? All right. So show me with your arms, with your hands how much you love your parents. Show us with your hands, yeah. Like, like, like this much? All right, okay, okay. Now, now show us with your hands how much you love Jesus. How much you love Jesus. Come on, don't be afraid, guys. Jesus is watching. All right. Say, how, how about this? How much do you think Jesus loves you? Right, you can't spread your arms wide enough for that one. Okay, you guys can take a seat. 
So harvest kids and harvest youth and students, all that. Um, here's one more question for you. Do you sometimes disobey mom and dad? Yeah? Yeah? I see some of those faces back there. Um, sometimes you just don't want to listen. You don't want to follow mom and dad, right? Um, sometimes mom will ask you to pick up your toys or, or to clean up your room or, or dad wants you to eat all your supper, right? And sometimes you just don't want to. You disobey. Well, why don't we obey? Because we're sinners. We're born sinners. Every person who has ever lived on this earth is, is a sinner. We've sinned against our parents and we sin against the Lord. But just because we all sin doesn't mean that that's okay, right? It doesn't mean it's okay that we sin. So today we're going to be learning that God takes disobedience to parents very seriously. He takes it very seriously. In fact, in the Bible today, we're going to learn that, that God has something directly to say to our children, to our, our children who are in our care. God is writing directly to you this morning. And we see that in uh, chapter 3, verses 20 to 21, where God commands this. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, thank you again for this uh, opportunity to come to you on this Lord's Day, the day of your resurrection, where we remember that uh, Christ is not dead. He is alive and he lives forevermore, and we await his return. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word again. We thank you that we have the freedom to have your revealed word to us in our hands. Oh, our hearts should rejoice over knowing that the God of the universe, the creator of us, has revealed himself to us. And so we treasure that this morning when we ask for you to be speaking to us through it. Ask your Holy Spirit to be opening our eyes, illuminating the word to us, teaching our hearts. Pray that your spirit would give us the power to respond, the ability to worship you. We ask for you to do that today. And I thank you for these children and the youth who are with us. We praise you that uh, you have given us children. They are a blessing from you. And we pray that today as children, as parents, as fathers, that we would learn, that we would learn to follow, we would learn to obey, we would learn to be encouraging, and that we would learn that ultimately this all points to you. And we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. All right, so kids, you should have a coloring page now. The youth, I don't think you guys have the coloring page. You should be taking notes on uh, the phone there or actually a notebook or a Bible. That would be really, really handy. Awesome. Um, so anyhow, kids, you have a coloring page, and there's a couple fill-ins. There's a couple words there that you need to fill in, and then you can color the rest of that page, and then you can come and show me that after. I'd love to see that as well. And so I think there's some help up on the screen. There's a slide there that might give you a little bit of help. Okay, just take a look at that. And uh, if, you, if you want to write that down. But that's, that's for you to be following this morning. And so we see here, starting in verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. And so what we're going to learn together is that, kids, you won't learn to follow Jesus unless you first follow your parents. Kids, you won't learn to follow Jesus unless you first follow your parents. And so the scripture says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So the first thing we need to clarify, who is Paul talking to here? Who is Paul talking to when he says children? Is he talking about just little children? Is he talking about older children, adult children, the child that still may be in your basement at 26 years old? Maybe. Um, who is he talking to? Well, the word, the word children in this text comes from the Greek word technon, which can be translated offspring, descendants, your posterity. But most commonly in the Bible, this word is translated children. And, and uh, looking at the context and associated texts like Ephesians, these are children who are still in the home. 
These are children who are still growing up and are still subject to their parents' authority. That doesn't mean that when you leave home that you're not going to honor your father and your mother, but the text here is clearly speaking to children who are in the home under their parents' authority. So that would mean children, little ones, babies, toddlers, children, adolescents, tweens, teens, and even those, uh, at those who are kind of cresting the adult age who are, who are still under your authority in your home. So that's, that's a lot of people. And so you're the ones who are being called out this morning, spoken directly from God to you through his word, to do what? To obey your parents. To obey your parents. Now this is a really interesting fact, and sometimes we just kind of glaze over this and don't really see this here, but... Uh, Children are being directly addressed by Paul, God through Paul. Um, remember last week we said it would have been shocking that husbands were being called to love their wives. That was countercultural. The husbands wouldn't have been addressed that way from the culture. But the gospel was turning the world upside down. Or the gospel was turning the world right side up, right? And so this command by Paul as he addresses children... And I love that he does. I love that he's addressing children here. It's very significant. So back when this letter was written to the Colossians, uh, the the Greco-Roman society at that time, they didn't elevate children. Children were seen more as property in the eyes of the government, even even at the same level of of slaves. And we're going to talk about that next week. So in the eyes of the government, children were required to obey their parents. And if they did not obey their parents, it could be a severe punishment for not following your parents. But in the Colossian church, children here are revealed to be a part of the body of Christ. I love that. I love to see that children are considered a part of the church because they are. They are valued. They are treasured. And this wasn't so in the culture at that time. In fact, in the pagan society back then, they had a pretty low view of children. Uh, for example, if, if, if a family could not look after their child, uh, sometimes they would abandon that child. Sometimes they would just put their child outside their home. And sometimes those children would die from exposure. That doesn't mean they didn't love children back then. They did. It's just that it was a different view. And sometimes we have a low view of children here as well. Just, just, think, of, just think of abortion. Right? It's a very low view of children. And so these children would be left to fend for themselves. But the beauty of the gospel is this. At that time, Christians were going countercultural to this. And Christians were even known at that time to go and find those children, to find those children who are rejected and bring them home and adopt them as their own. So the gospel we see here is transforming everything. The fact that Paul is addressing children is quite shocking at that time. What we learn here is that children are important to God, right? Children are important to God. Psalms 127, verse 3, children are a blessing from the Lord. They are a blessing. And they were worthy of hearing from God, just like their parents. Worthy of hearing from God. And the instruction Paul gives them, as they would be amidst the collective body in the church, uh, was this, obey your parents. This was simple enough for little ones to understand. This is simple enough for them to understand. Even though the gospel and all the intricacies of what Christ did, substitutionary atonement, these things um, are probably left to a later age for them to comprehend. They could understand this, obey your parents. And so kids, I know you guys are coloring, but you can listen to this. Kids, God loves you. God loves you, and God wants what's best for you. He really does. God loves you so much that he wrote a book to you. This is not just to your parents. This is also to you, and he wants you to listen to him. And this morning and every morning and every day, he calls you to obey mom and dad. And how does he want you to obey them? He wants you to obey them in everything, in everything, at all times, every day. 
no matter how tired you are, no matter whether you're, you're angry at mom or dad, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter whether you feel like it or not, God calls children. He's calling you to obey your parents. We often wonder what God's will is for our life as adults. What's God's will for my life? Where am I going? What am I doing? What's God's will? And children often wonder that as well. I know as a teenager, when you're getting used to or getting close to becoming an adult and you're wondering, what's ahead of me? Well, we know clearly right here, God's will for children is to obey their parents. If you want to know what God's will is for you as a child, it is to obey your parents. It's very clear. To follow, to listen, and to obey as your mom and dad lead you. So I don't know if you guys remember uh, last year at this time, um, there was a news story. Um, there was a little eight-year-old boy uh, who woke up one Sunday morning, and, uh, and he was hungry, and uh, he wanted a burger from McDonald's. And uh, mom and dad were sleeping. Dad just got home from a night shift, so he was out cold. Mom wasn't waking up. And uh, so this little boy was watching YouTube about how to drive a vehicle. And, uh, and so he got up that morning. He's eight years old. And he took his little sister, who was four years old, loads her in their parents' van, and drives off down to McDonald's. And uh, I know it's funny, but when you think about it, this is very, very dangerous. He put his sister himself, he put the public in danger because he was disobeying mom and dad. He was disobeying them. They wouldn't have wanted this for him. So eight years before he was even eligible to get a permit, a learner's permit, he was driving uh, his parents' van. I can tell you another story of another young man, about 12 years old, who took his grandmother's car to school. That would have been me, disobeying my parents. And, uh, but by God's grace, there was no accident there, or even when I disobeyed my parents, and the law as well. Uh, this young boy was reported to police. Nobody was hurt, thank the Lord. Um, nobody was killed. But somebody could have been killed by this child's disobedience. And so know this, that, that we are sinners. We will disobey. That doesn't make it, so, make it okay. Um, because God loves you, God has instructions for you, kids. He has instructions for you. And it's quite simple. Obey your parents in everything. Even more than your safety, even more than your, your good. Did you know that obeying your parents makes God happy? Obeying your parents makes God happy. It pleases him, it says here. It pleases the Lord. That's what the Bible says right here. If you obey your parents in everything, it pleases the Lord. And so let me ask you, teenagers, do you want to please the Lord? Do you want to please the Lord? Obey your parents. Obey your parents. And of course, there's limitations on obedience. You would not obey a parent who would lead you into sin. You would not obey a parent who would lead you away from Jesus, right? But you obey them in all that they, God has called them as they lead you. So, we want to please the Lord, but we often disobey. And the number one way that children and, and young people displease the Lord is by disobeying their parents. So disobedience to parents equals disobedience to God. And did you know that God takes disobedience very, very seriously? We're going to look at some verses here to help us understand that. So you're not just sinning against your parents. When you sin against your parents, you disobey. You are ultimately disobeying God. Exodus 21, 15. This is how serious God takes it. Whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. Verse 20. Chapter 21, verse 17. Whoever strikes, which means to hit or harm your parent, shall be put to death. This is serious. These two verses should remind us of the original command in the garden. For all people, Adam and Eve, remember they, they disobeyed their heavenly father. He gave them one instruction to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they disobeyed their father. He said, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. 
This teaches us that sin is punishable by death. Remember, as they ate, sin and death came into the world. And the reason I share this with you is not to scare you, maybe just a little bit, but to teach you the truth, to teach you the truth that disobedience is serious in the eyes of our holy, heavenly Father. It is. God takes it so seriously. Uh, he compares it with other sins that are horrific in our eyes. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul writes this. Uh, it is a series of sins that, that mark the darkness and the unrighteousness of men. He says in chapter 1, verse 29 of Romans, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. And then what? What do we see here? Disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And so teenagers this morning, would you guys agree? Murder is a horrific sin. Hating God is a horrific sin. What do you think about this little phrase of disobedient to parents in that list? How serious does God take our sin? How about this? 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5. But understand this, that in the last days, there, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and then this, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, and on and on and on and on this list goes. And so we see disobedient to parents at the very center as a marker of sinfulness and unrighteousness of humanity. And so what do we do about this, kids? What do we do about this? How do we respond to this. Well, we've got the grace of God revealed to us through his word, instructing our hearts, and we want to obey. And so we ask God to save us from our sin, to save us from our disobedience. And we see that our sin is worthy of death. And we ask him to save us we ask him to help us to turn away. That is to repent of our sin. And we ask him to help us to turn to Jesus, to trust in him for salvation. We believe that, that we ought to die as a penalty for our sin. But by the grace of God, God gave us his son. The heavenly father gave us his only son. And it's when we believe in him and trust in him that we can have eternal life. And then God gives us new hearts. He gives us his spirit where then we can respond and follow and obey. So we listen to the grace of God revealed to us through the Bible in the strength of the Holy Spirit. When God calls us to obey, to listen, to follow our parents, to follow in everything at all times, every day, to obey them, because when you obey your parents, you obey the Lord. You obey the Lord. And so know this, little ones, we're not going to do this in perfection. We are not in heaven yet. We are going to fail. That doesn't mean we stop. We keep on striving. We keep on calling out to the Lord. The gospel is not just about entrance into the kingdom. It's about ongoing transformation. We're going to fail, but run to the Lord. Trust him. Ask for the Spirit's help. Listen to God's commands. And when you sin against your parents, there's also another call for you. When you sin against your parents, make sure that you go to the Lord. You seek forgiveness from him and then go to your parents. Seek forgiveness from your parents. Tell them that you have sinned against them and then follow. Your obedience to parents also means so much more than you think. It means so much more. Your obedience to your parents leads you to Jesus. Obedience to parents leads children to Jesus. Remember in the Ten Commandments, we have the, the fifth commandment, right? Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. 
that your days may be what? It may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Remember, this is a promise for the Israelites at that time. And they were coming into the promised land and how they would uh, interact as a family in sin and following um, their, their parents. Honoring fathers and mothers would lead you to long life in the land. Ultimately, that's pointing to heaven, right? Yes, they were brought to the promised land, but this was pointing to something greater. Eternal life. Living long in the land with the Lord. There is a promise associated with that. And so your obedience leads you to follow Jesus, which will lead you to eternal life. And so as you learn to follow your parents, you learn to follow Christ. God has given you your parents as a grace in your life. Sometimes they don't feel like a grace, right kids? Parents sometimes don't feel like a grace. It just feels like something hard. They're going against everything I want to do, right? But trust me, you will not learn to follow Jesus unless you first learn to follow your parents. And so teens, you may be wondering again, like I said, what does God have for me? What is God's will for my life? You can be sure as this, that God's will for your life right now is to follow your parents. As we've been learning in Colossians to keep our eyes on Christ, to set our minds on things that are above, the scripture is clear. It is clear that God is pleased by your obedience. So ultimately, children, as parents, we want to point you to Jesus Christ. It doesn't stop here. We don't want obedience for obedience sake. We want heart transformation. That's why God has given you parents, to point you to Jesus. And as you follow them, and as they lead you, you will be prepared much more to follow him. Because when you obey, you're learning what it means to become a Christ follower. A Christian is a Christ follower. And so when you obey your parents, you're learning what it means to follow Jesus. This is, this is gospel-motivated. This is spirit-enabled. Right? This is, this is not something you just try to do in your own power. You have to follow in the power of the Spirit. You cannot do this on your own. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15 and 16, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I love this. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H, helper, to be with you forever. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And so if you are a Christian this morning, you have the helper. You have the Holy Spirit in you, which enables you to be able to follow, to be able to obey. And so children, as the more that you learn to obey mom and dad, the more you will be prepared to obey Jesus, to obey your heavenly Father. And so remember this, you won't learn to follow Jesus unless you first follow your parents. It's a grace given to you. And then this leads to our next point for parents. Parents, your kids won't want to follow Christ if they aren't following you. They will not want to follow Jesus if they are not following you. Children, obey who? Obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. And so we see parents inserted in there. Parents, that means this message is also for us. If our children are allowed to be unruly, if we turn a blind eye to disobedience, if we fail to require obedience from our children, we ultimately fail, fail to point our children to Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that about discipline, about leading? That if we, if, we just want, if we just overlook it and we don't deal with it, we are actually short-circuiting the gospel. So, and I, I get it, friends. Parents, I get it. Discipline is hard, isn't it? It is hard at times to do it right. Sometimes discipline feels unloving. Sometimes you just don't want to discipline. And you allow a disobedience because you're tired. 
And you're tired of always disciplining, always having to correct. Sometimes you're just exhausted with life. Sometimes you just want to do your own thing. You want to have some me time, right? And so sometimes um, we just don't discipline. I think sometimes we're just lazy. I can attest to that. I'm just lazy when it comes to discipline. You know, big on the reactive, not so big on the proactive. Discipline is not just reactive what, to deal with what happened, but to be proactive, to discipline, to instruct, to prepare them. So discipline takes effort. It takes work. So this past week, I don't know if you guys went and seen this, but we got the privilege of going to see the new Incredibles 2 movie. Anybody go see that? Yeah? Just us? Okay. Well, we got some free tickets, and so we got to see this. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember the first movie. We went back and watched the first movie to kind of get ourselves back in the story. It was 14 years ago. And, uh, and so do you remember the dinner scene in the first movie? You guys remember that? I think I got a picture of that up here. Yeah? Okay. Can you remember this dinner scene? Remember, remember Dash and Violet? They're the, the young kids, and, uh, and they're starting to fight, getting under each other's skin, right? And, uh, and soon they were just outright scrapping under the table, and Mom is trying to control this whole thing, and Mr. Incredible, well, he's just distracted, right? He hates his job. He's exhausted. He wants to be doing something else, and it seems at this moment family was just a distraction. And in the middle of this big kerfuffle, Mrs. Incredible says to him, Bob, it's time to engage. Don't just stand there. It's time to intervene. Dad was distracted. Dad was doing his own thing. And he had to get in there. He's supposed to be disciplining his children. So as fathers and as mothers, sometimes we just don't want to engage. We don't want to intervene. Sometimes we're distracted. But God has given you to your children to lead them, to train them, to teach them to obey, to teach them to follow, because ultimately it's going to teach them that they need to follow the Lord. And so we need to require obedience. We need to require obedience. It's so important. Why do we need to require obedience? Proverbs 13, 15, because the way of the sinner is hard. The way of the sinner is hard. We've been given the opportunity as parents, this little envelope, this little window of time into our children's life to teach them that the way of the sinner is hard. If they continue in the way they're going, it's going, not going to go well for them. Eternity is at stake. I love this verse, this next one. Proverbs 13, verse, or 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Just showing the seriousness again of, of allowing sin. Our children need to know that sin has consequences. That's what correction, that's what dis discipline is all about. To show them that sin has consequences. That the way of the sinner is hard. All people are born with a bent towards sin. Every one of us. And David says this. He says, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth. But its end is the way to death. So it's our job to discipline towards the reality that if they continue in the way they go, it will lead to death. It will lead to eternal death. And so it's extremely important to teach our children to obey. Obedience is not natural. Obedience is is learned, right? So talking to the parents here this morning, I'm sure every parent can agree and testify to this truth that you don't have to teach a baby to want its own way, right? You don't have to teach a baby to want their own way. From the moment that children enter the world, they want their own way. And if they don't get their own way, they are upset, you don't have to teach a toddler to be selfish, right? Look at how they play with their toys. They're naturally selfish. The minute you take that toy away or try to buckle them in the car seat, they may scream the house down, right? And so it, 
What we're seeing here is it's so vitally important for our children to understand their own depravity. And even more important to teach them that there are consequences for disobedience. Children who learn to obey their parents in light of their sinfulness will better understand what it means to obey the Lord, which leads to life rather than death. And so parents, we must implement, we must require obedience in our homes because what? It will lead them towards Jesus rather than lead them away. And know this, God knows your child. He knows exactly where their heart is right now. He knows whether his spirit is in them right now. He knows whether they are transformed by the gospel. And he knows that in their very young years, even before they could even comprehend the gospel, they may have a limited ability to understand all the gospel. But what he does have for them is this, is that he calls them to obey. They can understand that. And that has a greater teaching for eternity. Because one day... One day, Lord willing, through your prayers, through your leadership, he is going to call your children to himself. And he's going to call them to obedience. And so the obedience they learn from you will inform how they obey the Lord. So we've got to remember that the family, again, is a microcosm of the church. It's a small picture of the church. As a child submits and obeys to his earthly father, so the church is also, like the wife, submitting to their heavenly father. This is a picture that's going on. And so I hope you're getting what we're seeing here. And going back to the fifth commandment again, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land This commandment is teaching us something greater. Obedience doesn't stop with the parents. It's not just for the parents alone or for the child. It's for the glory of God as eternity is ahead of them. Jesus is the fulfillment of that law. Remember, all the promises of the Old Testament find their yes and their amen in Jesus Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 1.20. The laws point to something greater. The promised land is ultimately pointing to the fulfillment of the gospel, this everlasting life in Jesus Christ. And so honoring father and mother, this obedience to parents has the same principle, promise today. Honor your parents. Follow your parents. Obey your parents. It will lead you towards eternal life. It points your children to Jesus rather than pointing them away. So requiring obedience teaches the truth that there are eternal consequences for sin. And so, parents, we've got to engage. Don't be like Bob. Engage your kids. It's not an option. We don't want to short-circuit the gospel. This is a part of the gospel, part of the teaching. And remember this. In your discipline, remember the truth that the Lord disciplines those who he loves. We read that this morning. You love your children, you will discipline them. Point them to, your, to their sinful hearts. Point them to Jesus. Teach them that the way of the sinner is hard and that there is so much grace and love in Jesus Christ. Your kids won't want to follow Christ if they aren't following you. You need to engage it. And so as you instruct their hearts and as you engage discipline and as you're requiring obedience, we also must remember specifically as fathers on this Father's Day, as fathers, fathers, your children will struggle to fear the Lord if they have an unhealthy fear of you. Your children will struggle to fear the Lord if they have an unhealthy fear of you. Verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so we celebrate our fathers this morning. We do. We celebrate them and we love. We are a church that loves fathers and husbands and wives seeing the roles that God has laid out in Scripture. We believe in this. We don't believe there's confusion in this. We believe the Bible is very extremely clear as how he designs the family. So our fathers, we want you to know that we treasure you. And we know the weight that is on you as a father, as a husband. 
There's a lot of weight on you. God has given you the grace and the spirit to walk in that weight. God has divinely appointed you to be the leader of your home, the leader of your wife, the leader of your children. And so let me ask you this, fathers. How is your leading going with your family, with your children? How are you doing when it, when it comes to being the primary disciple maker of your children? You are the shepherd of your home. And as I say that, as I preach that, I'm preaching to myself, how am I doing as the shepherd of my home? How am I doing as the primary disciple maker of my children? That's what God has called us all to do, man. Does the witness of your life reveal that you aren't leading like you should? Just like that Incredibles 2, uh, actually the first movie illustration. Are you not engaging? Are you not intervening? Are you distracted? Are you exhausted? Are you living in isolation in your own home? Or are you leading your children? Are you loving them? Are you leading them in the word? Are you pointing them to the gospel? Are you disciplining them? Are you showing them Jesus? Sometimes we think that merely providing for our family is enough. Perhaps we think that, you know, we're just too busy. We're just too tired. We're working so hard. Maybe it's my wife's job to lead them. Maybe it's the church's job to lead them. You are the primary disciple maker. Or this, or perhaps in your leadership, you lead in a harsh way. Perhaps you lead in an overbearing way. Perhaps your requiring of, of obedience is in a sinful way. Paul says, do not provoke your children to anger, lest they become discouraged. So, so to provoke here means to irritate. It means to embitter. I love the NASB. It says to exasperate, to drive your children to resentment. How does this happen? This can happen through excessive nagging, right? Treating them like they're in a boot camp. Leading like a graceless sergeant. Commanding your children without love. Nobody's saying you don't lead with strength. You do. As a husband and as a father, you lead with strength. It's a grace-filled strength, loving strength. But if all your children see is a cold, critical captain, this will ultimately provoke them to discouragement, which means they can become despondent. They can become listless. They will, they will lose heart. They will be discouraged. As the husband was instructed earlier, right, to, to not be harsh with his wife, that same propensity applies to our children. We, have, we are prone to being harsh. We're prone to being heavy at times. So just like our wives in Genesis 3, as we're called to, to not be harsh but to love, we're, we're being called here to love and lead in a way that will not discourage our children. And so as I stand before you, I've got black eyes in this area, Right? This is something that I have failed at in my life over and over again. God has been transforming me, but I have been prone to this as well, to leading, too heavy at times. I know my, my, my sons would, would say, oh, my dad loves me, right? They, they know, they know what, that I care for them and love them deeply, and I'm a very silly dad at times, right? Dad jokes. Dad dancing in the kitchen, right? Silly stuff like that. But at times, in the middle of whatever we may be doing, I can be prone to harshness. I can be prone to wanting to get my way and wanting it to get done as I lead them. And sometimes I'm not leading with grace and mercy and, and love. And, and far too many times I have seen the effect of my sin and my leadership cause their faces to fall to be discouraged, right? I've seen them lose heart. 
I think we've all been there at some time, fathers, and, and fathers to be. You're going to be here, right? And so God is instructing us in that. We fail to lead with love and mercy and grace. And what we have to remember is that we do not want to exasperate our children. When we exasperate them, we are failing to represent Christ to them. We're failing to proclaim the truth of our Savior. We're failing to be a good and gentle shepherd of our household. Remember, our families are a smaller picture of the church. And so if we lead with with heavy rule, with heavy criticality, our children can then have an unhealthy fear of us. Our children can have an unhealthy fear of us, and then they may transmit that to who their heavenly father is. This is who my father was. I'm trying to understand this relationship to my heavenly father, and I might even transmit some of what I've learned onto him. But fathers, your children will struggle to fear the Lord. They may have an unhealthy fear of the Lord if they have an unhealthy fear of you. And it's our goal as fathers, as primary disciple makers, to raise children who fear the Lord. That's our goal, to revere Christ as first, him as best, him as God. Deuteronomy 6.2 teaches us that the purpose of the family is that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. This is, this is what God has designed, right? Our purpose in our homes is to raise children who fear the Lord. Remember Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And like we also read this morning, the following parents. And then Proverbs 14, 26 to 27, I love this. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. Fathers, you cannot lead your children to a place you're not going yourself. You need to be fearing the Lord, and then lead them to fear the Lord. This is a, this is a reverence for God, for who he is, him and all of his holiness. This is not an unhealthy fear. Verse 27 of Proverbs 14. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And one may turn away from the, that one may turn away from the snares of death. So we want our children to have a fear of the Lord. So as we lead them, lead them in love, lead them in encouragement. Don't lead them away from Jesus. Don't teach them an unhealthy fear of the Lord because of the way that you lead. Do not turn your children's hearts away from the gospel by discouraging them. Yes, we must discipline. We must discipline. We do this proactively and reactively. This teaches our children. We require obedience. We must guide them. We must teach them. We must teach them that there are consequences for sin, but don't take it too far. Don't discipline in the flesh, right? In the sense that out of your own anger, look at discipline as a way of showing your children the gospel that the way of the sinner is hard. Show them the way of grace and mercy. Be firm, but be gentle. Be loving. Be strong, but be humble. Speak the truth in love. And I love this. Don't just point the way. Lead the way. We can't just point them to the right way. You have to be walking ahead of them, leading them, going ahead of them. We have to remember this too, that none of this is possible apart from the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ, our preeminent Savior, the only begotten Son, It's only through the power of Christ to change our hearts through his finished work on the cross that our hearts can even be transformed, that God will even resurrect our marriages, resurrect our families. It's because of the gospel that all this takes place. It's only because of the gospel that you'll be able to shepherd your children well, to shepherd them with a vertical focus, that this isn't about me, this is about him. 
And so, fathers, we need to repent of our sin. Children, we need to repent of our sin. All of us need to turn from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ, trusting in him for salvation, knowing that the way of the sinner is hard. The gospel has the power to resurrect our families, to turn our worlds right side up, to work on our relationships. We've been learning about that in the church, in our marriages, in our families. The gospel can turn things right side up, to resurrect it from the dead, to bring it back, in a sense, to the way it was before the fall. Of course, it's not going to be perfect on this earth, but one day in heaven, we will be with our Lord, and the whole purpose of marriages and family and the church will be answered in Jesus Christ in heaven. And so with that, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have given us this word today. We thank you that as we walk through this book, this letter to a church 2,000 years ago, that it is always relevant. We don't have to make it relevant. It's always true that you know our hearts. You know our needs. You know that we need Jesus Christ, not only to be saved from our sin, but to be constantly transformed into the image of our creator. And so as we are in Colossians, we remember that we need to be setting our minds on the things that are in heaven, where Christ is, following him, submitting to him, obeying him. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news. We thank you that we are saved from our sin, that we can trust in you and follow you every day in the power of the Holy Spirit with new hearts, putting off the old man and putting on the new in Jesus Christ. And so today, as we receive this word from you for children, for parents, for fathers, help us not to try to operate in our own strength, but to humble ourselves, to fall at your feet, ask you for the strength that only comes from you, and then to get up and to follow. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.